Say the year 2005, and most sports fans will instantly think of the year cricket was cool, that dramatic finale at Edgbaston, and the celebrations that got out of hand before England's cricket team made their way round London to celebrate their triumph in the Ashes. Most sports fans probably won't remember that the women's team were there too. Singing Jerusalem alongside the men at Trafalgar Square, meeting the Prime Minister at number 10, even fewer will recognise that the women regaining the Ashes was arguably a bigger feat than the men's. Forget not winning the Ashes for 18 years, England women had not regained the Ashes since 1963. Add to that the fact that Australia's women had not lost a single test match since 1984, and it is almost unbelievable that the achievement of England's women in 2005 has largely been forgotten. Welcome to 2005, The Forgotten Ashes. I'm Millie McAvoy, and I'm going to be looking back on a victory that arguably started the rise of women's cricket in England. I will be speaking with England's legendary seam bowler, Catherine Brunt. Straight up in the air, Catherine Brunt will do the job herself. No one else required. She has been England's spearhead today. It's a quite superb 50 from Catherine Brunt. Take about Catherine Brunt, four overs, three for six. Brunt made her test debut against New Zealand in 2004 before starring in her first Ashes series the year after. Brunt took five wickets in the first test as England clung on for a draw to keep their Ashes hopes alive. In the second match of the two-test series at Worcester, Brunt, who was only 20 at the time, produced a player of the match and the series performance to inspire England to Ashes victory. Here is England captain Claire Connor being interviewed just after the winning moment. Claire Connor is with us. Claire. Hi. At Worcester. Hi. What's happening down there? We're on absolute tenderhooks up here. One minute you want, you want one to win, then you're having tea. What's going on? Yeah, no, we've we've just won. We've just oh. won the Ashes. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, literally the girls have just hit the winning runs and just about literally a minute ago. So, um, yeah, still shaking. A series as enthralling as this deserved greater coverage by the media, with no one broadcasting the matches. But at least the views of reporters had moved on from earlier Ashes tests, as a news report from the second test of the first ever Ashes series in 1934 shows. Girls cricket has hitherto been regarded as a joke by most people, but Movietone's pictures of the English women's team playing in Sydney against the Australians prove conclusively that it can be not only serious, but expert as well. Watch the strokes and you will see that they are definitely up to the male standard. Unfortunately, attitudes hadn't got much better in the 1960s with these clips from 1961 and 1963. W.G. Grace wouldn't have believed it. Even Ted Dexter would have raised an eyebrow. Australian women taking the field at the Oval, in a test match too. You'll forgive our not calling the players Miss or Mrs. It's a man's game. But anyone who thinks cricket is outside the range of the fair sex has another thing coming. Marvel now gets hey-ho LBW. Ladies, LBW is when a girl uses her legs to stop the ball hitting those three sticks behind her. Thank you to British Pathé, Movie Tone and Associated Press for those clips. Speaking with Catherine, I started by asking her what memories she had of the women's ashes growing up. Completely unaware, to be honest. Um, it was, 
to be honest, like women's cricket in general wasn't really a thing for me. Uh, I grew up playing with my brother and playing boys and men's cricket, so I didn't really have any knowledge at all of um, women's cricket at that standard. There were times when obviously I knew that there was age groups for the Yorkshire women's team um, when I got to a certain age. Um, but no, not at all did I think that there was an Ashes series or World Cups. Just, just the fact that you know there were women playing somewhere, but they weren't playing near me. <laughs> That's all I knew. Catherine was unfazed by the unwanted record England had, but it was something that weighed heavy on the minds of the more experienced players. Going into that series, what awareness did you have of how long it had been since England had last won the Ashes and Australia had last? lost a test match I think the girls at the time the the manager and the coaches were made us aware that it had been a long time um, but I didn't think they needed to make us aware at the time we we just knew that Australia were the best team in the world and that they were um, going to you know play really hard and um, and they were used to winning and used to being successful so we were almost like on the back foot from the start and didn't really think of it as a big deal um, and I mean the sorry the very senior players in the team definitely thought of it as a big deal but for myself I was I don't know 20 and mm-hmm. just turned and I mean I'm 35 now but and I'm I, you know the girls still think I'm a teenager so you can imagine how young at heart and in my head I was at 20 Um I had no fear and um just a real desire to run in and and do it the best I could and fight as hard as I could for the team that had let me in. So um, there wasn't really any pressure on me or any sense of occasion at all. I just, you know, ran in and had fun and and did what I do. Mm. And you talked about the more senior girls in the in the team and looking at the team list for both sides. It's kind of a roll call of legends. So for England, you've got Charlotte Edwards, Claire Taylor, Claire Connor as captain, and then the Australians have Belinda Clark as their captain, Alex Blackwell and Lisa Cowley, your your head coach now. What yeah. does it feel like walking into that England dressing room and then going out onto the pitch and, and facing that Australian team? Well, like I said about um, knowing if there was an Ashes that existed for the women, on the, on the same on the same token... I didn't know any of the players because I didn't follow women's cricket because there wasn't an avenue for me to follow it in. I came into it not knowing what the, you know, Lisa Kitely and Belinda Clark were capable of. They were just another cricketer to me. Um, at the end of the day, it wasn't my brother down the other end, so I wasn't bothered um, at, all, at all. Now, only now when I look back on it, um, do I realise like the achievement that I that I made at the time. Mm-hmm. And going into that first match at Brighton, obviously you say you didn't know much about the cricketers you were facing. So what kind of game plan did you have going into that match? I guess the only game plan I've ever really had is to play without fear, stick to my strength, and bowl the line and length that I've been taught, which is, you know, I'm, I'm known for low economy rates I'm, I'm known for not leaving the stumps much uh, giving you know people too much width things like that and I've, I've always pri- pride myself on that um, 
and that's you know I'm not someone that has loads of plans I'm not someone who looks into analysis for weeks before tournaments and things like that I'm someone who keeps it really simple and goes mainly on gut feel um, Mm -hmm. of what the pitch is playing like and what I think somebody down the other end is thinking Tom I very much um, that kind of cricketer so um, you know, it worked for me and, and it has done for 17 years now. Looking at the first test in detail, Australia won the toss and chose to bat. They posted a total of 355 all outs as Shelley Nitschke on Test debut top scored with 81 not out, putting on 119 for the final wicket with Clear Smith. Brent had the best figures for England, taking 3 for 64. In response, England collapsed from 234 to 273 all out. Charlotte Edwards, as one of the openers, contributed the most runs with 69. Australia stretched their lead to 305 in the second innings. Karen Rolton with the best score, falling three runs short of a century as she was run out by Brunt. Claire Connor had the best figures for England, taking four for 68, before Aaron Brindle then made the only century of the match, finishing on 101 net out to force a draw on the final day as England reached 172 for 7, 133 behind, but still in the Ashes series. You've obviously said how it was quite a long time ago now, um, these matches. I'm just wondering uh, if you can cast your mind back, what were your memories of that game? Um, and obviously it, it went right down to the wire in, in the first test, um, mm. England to save a draw. What were your memories of, of that game and that final day particularly? Very fond ones. Um, you know, some of the best friends I've made were in that in that team. Um, so it was the team itself. We had a an awesome bond, um, and you know, there's there's no money then at all, um, and not much TV. So it was kind of you you've, you've got your mates and you're playing and you're enjoying yourself, and there's not as much pressure. I mean, don't get me wrong, it was an Ashes series. We took it very seriously. Um, but there isn't, there wasn't the constraints there with thousands of people in the crowd and people on social media ripping you in half. So, you know, without those distractions, it was more it was more like you were just being young and having fun with your mates. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my my first and foremost. Like, they're the feelings that come back straight away. Um, and the feeling of, like, just playing really simple cricket, just playing cricket in its purest form um, and not complicating it and that one that we drew was, you know, that was a real sort of like nail biter. It's almost a bit scary as well because their opening bowler, Catherine Fitzpatrick, I think she gave everything she has and never had <laughs> into that those two spells of bowling that she bowled. She, you know, she came out of really hard. She hit me a few times. Like it was just, it felt like a real battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we knew after that, after that test match, that the next one wouldn't be, there would be nothing that we couldn't do, because that one was so hard and so challenging. That we knew what to expect the next time round. But we knew, we also knew that what they threw, we could handle. Catherine's positivity going into the second test was not matched by the England coaches, who were nervous about losing another Ashes series. We did actually use really negative language back in the day, and I hated that because the type of cricketer I am, I'm really positive, and I, I've got a lot of confidence in my ability, and I back myself. And so, you know, having ne- negative language really affects my game, and it did affect a lot of people's games back then. So, um, 
I guess there was a lot of negative test uh, talk going into that test, but also a lot of positive because of the the way we defended that first test match. Um, so we took basically the positives from that and, and then ran with it. And I think luckily from for me, for myself, I hadn't been a, a part of the team for long, so it, it wasn't it wasn't something that I was generally nervous about because I hadn't really experienced what it was like to play for England at that time. Mm-hmm. I was just still enjoying myself and playing freely, and that's kind of like the best thing you can give a player. There will be certain people in our team who are very good at batting. You know, you've got your Charlotte Edwards and your Claire Taylor. And the language was basically that, you know, if they don't score runs, we won't win a game of cricket. And that was kind of the the, the thought and the feeling. Nobody had confidence in themselves. It was only basically like, oh, they can bat, but we can't really bat. So we need them mm-hmm. to score runs kind of situation. Catherine was right to be positive about the second test. Here's a summary. England won the toss and elected to field, bowling Australia out for 131. Brunt had the best bowling figures again, this time taking 5 for 47. In England's first innings, she also top-scored with 52, as England put on 289 all-out to have a lead of 158. In response, Australia reached 232, Shelley Nitschke again top-scoring, this time with 88 not out. Brunt also took the best figures in that innings with 4 for 64. Needing only 75 to win the Test match and the Ashes, England wobbled, losing Laura Newton and Jenny Gunn in successive deliveries from Emma Liddell early on, before Charlotte Edwards and Claire Connor were both out LBW in the same Catherine Fitzpatrick over to leave England on 39 for four, before Aaron Brindle and Lydia Greenway combined to bring England home. Here's Catherine's memories of that Test. So the conditions were were brilliant. Um... Not something that I recognised at the time, being so young, but um, looking back now, and the conditions were great for swing bowling. It was awesome. Um, and the, the wicket had plenty in it for the bowlers. Not so much... Um, there wasn't there wasn't a great... There wasn't loads of seam. There wasn't a lot of spin. But there was enough swing to swing the ball for more than five overs, which is what you get out of the Cookaburra ball now. It's it's rubbish. So we had, you know, a good twenty, thirty overs of swing and myself and Jenny Gunn at the time adjusted to that and we bowled the the sort of pace that allows for a really good swing bowling. Um the Aussies just hadn't experienced that I don't think, um, in a long time. They hadn't experienced a couple of the bowlers being able to play up two ends constantly, consistently mm-hmm. for us. For a long time, I think Jenny Gunn bowled something like 16 overs for 17 runs, which is ridiculous. Um, they just couldn't get her off the off the square, and I came in and casting from the other end, and it just ended up being just like a really great rhythm and fun situation mm. that yeah, you didn't feel tired and you didn't feel like you wanted to stop. You could just keep going on and on and on, and it was just really great fun. And then getting to bat with my mate, and she's one of my best mates now. And, um, us two who who just at the time people thought couldn't bat whatsoever. <laughs> um, we went and stood at the crease together for a few hours. We we actually went overnight and batted the next morning. Like seeing off somebody coming down running bowling 80 miles per hour was you know terrifying, especially for me. Um, just coming into the squad, I was like, who is this woman? She's trying to kill me. And, 
me and Nisha had a right good laugh um, starting through that situation saying how are we managing to do this like how, what would it feel like to get ourselves a 50 in this situation how cool would that be <laughs> um, and then it did happen for me and I was just like obviously so happy because you know I, I knew my brother would be proud of me if I got runs and um, I, I didn't manage to let Isha I didn't bat long enough to let Isha get her 50 which she always reminds me of um, <laughs> she'll never let that go but um, yeah, at the time, like, it, I don't think me and myself, especially, I didn't realise the importance of that partnership I had with Isha. Because, um, like I said, I was literally just having fun and um, just playing cricket. And what did that winning moment feel like and, and winning the Ashes after such a long time, even though you say you weren't necessarily aware of that? What was that yeah. winning moment like? Well, it was. I think it was certainly a lot more special for the other girls. Like I was just absolutely over the moon. I love winning. I don't, you know, I play to win, and um, there's nothing better than winning. And and I didn't realise at the time, obviously, but winning and beating the Aussies is just like the best thing ever. Um, and I completely understand and get that rivalry now, obviously, having played for so long. But at the time, being my first thing. It was like, what? What's everyone? What's everyone's problem? Why is everyone getting so like angry and emotional? <laughs> well, it's only another game of cricket, but it's not. No, no game is just a game. Like it means everything, and and you soon pick that up when you play for England. That everything, every thing you do means the means the world, and you put so much on everything, like that it could just literally be the end of the world if you don't win. So. I know the feeling from the other girls, like there's tears and, um, you know, that they were just so happy about having achieved something that big. Um, and me trying to, you know, figure out what that meant um, at the time was was strange, but I loved it and I just went with it. And it was just a great feeling. Um, yeah, and it was like the start of a new wave, really, for England, um, having beat the Aussies like that. And, uh, which I think they'd not done in quite some time. So it's a really special moment to be a part of. And, and it is actually, I'd say, my top two fondest moments of my whole career, even though I you know, couldn't really appreciate it enough for what it was at the time. But I can look back now as like the fondest memories I've ever had. And the men's Ashes, Ashes celebration in 2005 are, are pretty legendary. I, I wanted to know if, if you can remember what your celebrations that night were like. <laughs> well, that's for me to know and you never to find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, obviously, the, we. I mean, as a team, we always celebrate our wins and um, some of us more celebrate more than others. <laughs> and especially at the time, being a 20-year-old, like you can imagine... Um, I made the most of it um, but equally you know we felt completely shunned by the men's success um, we always follow the men and we love what the men do and the way they play and the and the fact that they won something equally as special as us at the time was awesome but it was just so rubbish to be completely forgotten um, you know the way that it was 
you know, publicised and the media attention. It was like what we did um, hadn't happened. Um, mm. But there was some coverage. And to me, at the, at the time, that was huge. But if I look back now, it was actually rubbish. Like, it was completely unfair and um, just not good enough. But, uh, and what's, just, what's, a, what's a real shame is that these days, these, these, in these times, when we look back on some great achievements, we always look back at the men's ashes, don't we? It comes on mm. TV, three plays you hear about, on this day in 2005, la, 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 Freddie Flint off this. You never, ever hear anything about the women the women's test match picture you never ever do it's completely forgotten but not by us obviously um, and that's the real sad bit about it um, whereas these days obviously we look back at the men's world cup victory and we look back at ours as well mm. because it did happen in the new era and that's 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 how the games changed the most for me which is great the England women's team took part in the Open Top Bus Tour through London that was attended by tens of thousands of fans after the completion of the men's ashes. But initially, they were mistaken for the partners of the men's team. Well, to be honest, they put us on the bus behind them with their wives. So I don't think anybody knew who we were on the other bus <laughs> at the time. Um, but they knew who we were when we got on stage and we were announced alongside them. That, that was awesome. Um, it was just that was it was just completely surreal for a young kid at the time playing a first ever test match and being in, on a stage with the likes of Kevin Peterson and off like stood in front of 100,000 people in Trafalgar Square I mean we don't even do that now <laughs> so you know that was a completely awesome moment to be a part of and like one of my first trips to London as well like I'd never I don't think I'd ever even seen Trafalgar Square or Westminster and things like that so it was just a real surreal moment and not something that we've been able to better really going forward um but the timing of you know winning ours with the men just allowed us that opportunity to do something that big so it was really cool Claire Connor was asked by the BBC how the 2005 win would affect the women's game in England and called on external parties to do their bit after England had delivered on the pitch. And what will this do for, for women's cricket uh, in this country, Claire? Um, well, it's hard to say. I mean, if, if, if the media give us some uh, positive exposure on the back of this achievement, then it'll do heaps of women's cricket. We've had good crowds all summer so far. We've played three one-dayers and we're two one-down at the moment in the one-day series, but we've had good crowds at Cheltenham and Stratford and we move to Taunton next week. So hopefully more and more people will come and watch us and, you know, we'll just keep, keep, uh, keep doing well. This view is something Brunt agrees with. Winning the World Cup final, winning an Ashes Test Series. These are special moments and you need these kind of special moments to create talk and to get people interested and, and listening and involved. So... Yes, of course it would have helped the women's game move forward. Um, but whether it was that moment or or an accumulation of things that we did th that year and the next and the next, um, you know, I believe it is an accumulation of all those things because whatever happened definitely took quite some time to happen. I'd say it happened very, very gradually over the next sort of five years. Um, the 2009 year, obviously, 
was awesome. We won everything that you could possibly win mm. and still didn't win an award for it. I mean, we won both World Cups and Ashes Series and a home series and we still didn't pick up an award at the uh, Personality of the Year Awards. Like, it was just an unbelievable thing to not win. Um, but I think moments like that that keep happening. And that was on us. We kept making those special things happen year on year on year, basically hammering down the door to the media saying, you literally cannot ignore us. Mm-hmm. We are a great team. We play great sport and we deserve to be watched and and enjoyed amongst the British people. And it was great that we made it happen. It wasn't something that just happened. We made it happen. Like you can't not you can't make things happen if you're not successful. So, you know, our work ethos, our um commitment to the to the sport at the time because we didn't get paid and we didn't, you know, get anything to encourage us to keep going. We had to sacrifice a lot to get to where we were, so a lot of credit needs to go to us and have got us to that point. But yeah, you're right. I would say that that's where it began. What was it like after the madness of the Ashes had kind of died down for you to go back to a normal life? Did anything change? No, not at all. I went straight back to three jobs. I worked for my dad as secretary. secretary. I worked in a solicitor's filing and I coached um, for Drax Power. And it, it's hard. And also, not to mention, like I, I, I dropped school for cricket. I dropped it completely because it wasn't my strong point and, you know, I was bullied at school and it wasn't something that I was favoured or wanted to keep myself in, but it became impossible at that point, having three jobs and playing for my country and travelling around. So I went straight back to that and it was um, straight back to business, I guess. There was no nothing changed in my life. I didn't suddenly become famous. I was still completely unknown. Um, it's not, and then I, I didn't receive sponsorships from here, there and everywhere. It was just completely the same. Straight back home to my parents. Um, <laughs> back to, you know, doing your own washing ironing, your three jobs. Um, but just loving life, not not enjoying, not having no purpose. That's, that's what it was before. So it, it was, in terms of happiness, I guess it made me more happy because it gave me a purpose in in my life and what I was going to do then for for the next 10 years and help me you know guide where where my passion was and who I'm meant to be and where I'm meant to go and and so that was great in terms of helping me you know decide the path I wanted to go down. And looking at those two teams both England and Australia you're the only one still playing international cricket and Jenny Gunn is the only other player with any kind of domestic contract. Some of those players who retired were coming to the end of their career towards the end of that Ashes series anyway, but some of them were younger than you are now when they retired and, and seemed to have plenty of years ahead of them. And it, it does seem to be that a general trend that women's players retire earlier than men. Why do you think that is? It's because of the money, plain and simple. I've said that as if that's the only thing. It's not the only thing. It's a big thing. Um, not so much now, but people would have had to have made a hell of a lot of sacrifices to get to this point. Um, 2014 at that stage would have been a long way away. You know what I mean? 
nine years away from getting a contract, I don't think anyone's going to stick around for that unless they absolutely love what they do. And I think that's, that, that is a factor in it. You've got, back then, you had to absolutely love what you were doing and want to do it for nothing, just for the literal, the love of the game. That's what people did, and that's what they played for. Um, so to have to base your career around the, that, those simple facts is, is difficult, especially if you're wanting to start a family or you're, you want to go to uni, you want to do a PhD, you want to, um, you know, settle down somewhere and move. Like, all these things don't happen. You can't do any of those things. So you couldn't do any of those things back then. Um, you had to, you know, step down, step away. But um, people didn't have the luxuries that we have now then. So a lot of careers were cut short, definitely a few years too short. I completely agree with that. And it was because of those things. Um, whereas now we have a lot of international athletes in the game who are having children and coming back because the, you know, the... Pregnancy clauses are brilliant, where they look after us um, and make it easy for you to have a child and come back to the game you love. Like, it's brilliant. Obviously, the pay is great. The support is awesome. Um, and so it's easier to be able to have more longevity in your career these days, but there certainly wasn't any help with that back then. The 2005 Ashes was one of the last series which was decided solely based on tests. As in 2013, a new points-based format was created, which combined one test with three ODIs and three T20s. But Catherine doesn't believe this change was a good idea. I'm not a fan, like, to be honest. I'm going to be honest. Like, I'm not, and that's just me. A lot of people love the way it is. Um, I've definitely come around to it, don't get me wrong. But at the time, I was really disappointed because we don't play any test cricket. And it was just a really nice, refreshing outlook because I'd grown up watching so much test cricket and I always wanted to like be able to play in one so when it, when I found out there was a test match within women's cricket when I started when I got picked I was like oh wow how exciting like and then suddenly it gets capped to one and it's like well normally these contests are stage over three to five tests and we've got one like it's a bit of an ask it's a massive, massive ask, especially when they place so many points in just one. And um, not only that, but the amount of skill needed to be able to transition from test to one day to T20 all in four weeks is is a big ask, and it's a lot because you can only bring a certain amount of players on tour. And if you think about men's cricket, their test team to their one day team to their T20 team are all quite different. And they'd have to bring like 45 lads on tour to be able to play in this that kind of series, you know what I mean? Whereas we don't, we can bring 14 to 16 people. So you've got all these girls have got to be so switched on and, and highly skilled to be able to switch from one, um, you know, one skill to the next, one format to the next. So in terms of that, I really like it because, you know, it's, it's kind of a, let's see who the best in the world is then because this will take a lot of skill, so I do like it in that regard. And if both England teams go down to Australia and, and win the Ashes and regain the Ashes, do you think that those victories will be seen on unequal standing, or, or do you think we're still at a point where the men's Ashes victory, is, it will take um, primacy? Yeah, like, of course it will. <laughs> it, it just will. Um, 
that's just the way it is and we've got a long way to go before that is completely equal uh but there will but there will come a day it won't be my day but there there will be a day and the big sign of it was you know the big world cup final at the mcg with katie perry that was unreal and that was a sign of what we could achieve um but it's not a consistent thing just yet so yes of course the men's will be way more anticipated and way more followed and talked about. Um, but we are getting there. Like The numbers are great. And we're really happy with where it is. Um, but things like that don't happen overnight. So uh, we're really happy with the way it's going and hopefully it gets there sooner rather than later. To end, you, you said before in, in the interview and said last year as well that that second test that it's of the 2005 Ashes was your favourite performance and you've won other Ashes series including down in Australia you've played and won in multiple World Cups you talked there about that amazing 2009 year which was an incredible team performance but actually in the the T20 World Cup final against New Zealand that year you took three for six with an incredible spell why for you is 2005 so special? I think because in all the other moments the other matches, there were there were moments, there were like moments of um, you know greatness or special things that have happened. But in this test match, it was, there were multiple moments. There was an all-round great feeling, and one of the last times that I felt truly at ease and without pressure, without expectation. Because from that moment on, don't forget, you perform like that. You get 10 wickets in a test and you get a maiden 50. There's going to be a hell of a lot expected from you from that moment on, do you know what I mean? So for me, in terms of the mental side of the game, it was only down from there because it just mentally got harder and harder and harder. So it was my last like sort of really sweet moment of just being completely free and only playing with just enjoyment and absolutely nothing else. Um, so I guess that's why. That that counts for a lot as to why that was my favourite time. Um, but yeah, it, it certainly doesn't take away from some of the moments I've experienced after that at all. Catherine has had an amazing career and there is no sign of it stopping as she is expected to be part of the England team heading down under at the end of the year, hoping to win the Ashes for the first time since 2014. I want to thank Catherine for giving up her time for a trip down memory lane. Thank you also goes to the ECB, ICC and BBC for the other clips used in this episode. Finally, thank you for listening and I hope you spread the word about 2005 The Forgotten Ashes. <laughs>